It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. On Farmer Fridays, we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. We don't have any set agenda for Fridays, so uh, feel free to reach out, 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Man, I've been having fun the last couple of days. I'm, I'm working on hybrid selection, and I just love digging into corn hybrids and seeing what the ins and outs are and trying to figure out what the best placement is and uh, and, and these types of things. Also kind of tracking some of the uh, newer agronomic concerns, one of them being tar spot. And we're seeing some breeding programs are a little further ahead on that than others. And also looking at some of the different management practices. I think it was on the show this week that, that we had a guest on that was talking about tar spot getting into plants as early as V5 to V6, but you weren't seeing the symptomology until much later. And, you know, this is something that is a big deal when it comes to disease control is that we've often got a disease in the plant well before we see it. And think about yourself in human health. Here we go into the, as some would call it, the cold and flu season heading into the winter months. We're all stuck together inside. We don't have a lot of fresh air, all those kinds of things. Uh, if you find yourself in, in those spots, you'll notice that, you know, hey, I haven't gotten good sleep the last couple nights. Eh, maybe I didn't eat very well as I'm running around from meeting to meeting or or working on different projects and I just grab something quick. And then before you know it, boom, uh, you're sick. Well, that virus or uh, illness probably got into you several days before. It's the same way with our crops. You'll you'll see things like tar spot in the plant well before you notice any foliar symptoms. So working on managing those things earlier is really important. So as I mentioned, um, hybrid tolerance for tar spot specifically is going to be really important. Uh, I saw an article that came out from some of the land-grant universities talking about this, that they think the hybrid tolerance or even potentially resistance down the road will be the best way to manage this. It isn't like Goss as well. I think about bacterial disease, and I would totally agree that, man, we just got to have that good tolerance. But with something like tar spot, we have done a good job with fungicides. It's just the timing has to be right. And I was just talking to an agronomist from Minnesota today who said, you know, our best luck in southeast Minnesota has been either spraying a fungicide at like V4, V5, and then coming back just before tassel and then coming back after tassel and that three pass approach has been fantastic but he said if we miss that v4 to v5 fungicide we really have more trouble stopping the disease later so it kind of plays back into that maybe the goss or the tar spots getting in there earlier than we thought but the other thing that's been working has been zyway when we put zyway on in furrow uh, growers in those areas and e even in the tar spot trials done at the universities, they've seen better results with that foliar application after they start with Zyway down at planting time. So personally, I think that planting time fungicide market is going to grow. I think there's going to be more products that come out over time. Uh, that's pretty exciting. We're also seeing some of the biological or natural type products that that are helping, especially those that have fungal endophytes, where the fungus actually lives inside the plant. Uh, some of those endophytes have some real promise to block out some of the disease from getting into the plant. So I'm hopeful with that. Even on the soybean side, I'm hopeful for fungal endophytes eventually helping stop sclerotinia white mold. 
Um, I don't know, just a lot of stuff. And on corn hybrids, one thing I'm always looking at too is, okay, what are, what are the risks? And I've heard a couple of the breeders that I've talked to recently here say risk reward. What's the risk versus the reward with this hybrid? And of course, everybody's drawn to, man, this one has just tremendous top end yield potential. That's awesome. But we kind of forget, well, how many top-end yield acres do you really have? Maybe it's 10% or 20% of the farm that could really catch the top, you know, top-end yield of the highest-yielding hybrid. So there, there is some reward there, but what's the risk? And too often we see some of these racehorse-yielding type hybrids that have a big weakness and one of them is green snap and as i talk to to breeders about hybrids and some of the new ones that they're bringing out that are going to be offered through a number of different seed brands across the country as soon as i hear the word green snap i'm out it's just not worth the, the potential reward of high yield if you're taking a lot of that risk because there isn't a whole lot we can do to manage against that. I mean, yes, we can have better fertility in the soil and that absolutely helps build a better stock. Yes, we can plant a little lower populations in some cases, but I talk to a lot of farmers that say, you know, I don't want to back off too far. I'm worried I'm giving up yield potential if I do. And if I'm going to give up a whole bunch of yield potential, then that's not worth the reward either just to have a little better stock. But green snap risk is something I just don't think you have to accept. I think it's something you can say, no, I'll find other hybrids that yield fairly close to that one that don't have as much risk associated with them. So just a few things that I've been working on and, and thinking about. And of course, for our farm, what's our game plan? We've got a lot of corn acres going into next year. And our game plan is I don't want to plant one hybrid on a huge percentage of the acres. So we try to split our farm up with a lot of different hybrids. Uh, and even in some fields, we'll blend. And that's that was really kind of interesting last year with our silage data. That was some of our best corn that we had was, was blended corn. But uh, when I look at hybrids, we typically don't want to plant more than uh, if we're going to do 2,000 acres of corn, we probably don't want to plant more than 100 or 150 acres of any one hybrid. So that means we got to have about 10 hybrids or more that we're going to plant across the farm. And the fun part, too, is just trying to pick out, okay, which one's going to yield the best? And certainly there's fields that I'd say, oh, that field probably has the best fertility, so that whatever I put there has probably got the best chance. But we haven't picked it just right just yet. I mean, even knowing as much as we do about these hybrids, you just don't know what kind of weather you're going to get and when it's going to hit. Well, hybrids might be on your mind today, but it could be some other agronomic topic. It's Farmer Friday, so that's fine. Give us a call. We'd love to talk about it. 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. It's a hungry world of 8 billion people. Let's not let them down. Commodity Classic is where you'll find innovation in the quest for bigger yields. Join us in Houston for new frontiers in agriculture. February 28th through March 2nd. Learn more at CommodityClassic.com. 
The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Get the most from every acre on your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and soybeans, a soils clinic, and a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Register today at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. It's the best day of the week. We're talking about whatever whatever agronomic topic you want to discuss at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd. And man, I got a stack of emails already here. So could be a busy show. Uh, we'll start off with Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, it's a brown Christmas in Iowa. It is a brown Christmas, but uh, I was out working yesterday and today and turns out i kind of love this weather <laughs> well I, I tell you, there's a lot of things going on i i was driving around south dakota yesterday and seeing guys doing tillage a lot of uh, drain tile work going in uh on our farm the guys were were taking uh, volunteer trees that had come up in the fence lines and just all these odds and ends that you just sometimes don't have time to do that's exactly it it's uh this is such a gift that uh to be able to do this in the middle of December, I had gotten tied down in projects and thought, oh, I'm going to be doing, getting this stuff done. It's going to be miserable. And, hey, I kind of like it. I'm, uh, it's enjoyable. Well, I probably shouldn't mention yeah. this, but, you know, the more time we get outside doing stuff now, that means less shop time that we have between now and spring. Unless, of course, it's a snowy spring like it was last year. But uh, it, it might mean, hey, we might have to move back inside, even if the weather's nice, just to get some equipment things done. Hey, a lot of people are. I'm talking to a lot of guys on their planters that uh, – uh, planters in the shop already they're changing their closing wheels putting germinators on them uh talking about the, a lot of people talking about what uh, the options are and, and uh, talking a little bit about the research that uh, they did over in indiana and uh in wisconsin and uh a lot of interest in people uh, looking to do that and you know one of the things that uh, we talk is uh, a significant impact for a very low cost on a planter 
Uh, you know, Tony, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in on that too because I was talking to a farmer out in Pennsylvania this week, and he said, "Have you priced out what a new planter is this year?" And I said, "Uh, no, we're we're good. We don't need a new planter right now." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I I, I can't afford a new planter. I'm gonna have to fix up the current one I got." And he goes, "And honestly." He goes, I think I can probably make more money with just making a few adjustments to the current planter than with the upgrades that are available this year, in his opinion. Now, he was looking at a different color equipment than we were, so maybe maybe there's a huge disadvantage there. I don't know, Tony, but you know, I, I do agree with him. New stuff costs a lot of money, and there are many things on our planters that we can change to improve performance. So uh, sometimes that's all it takes. I've talked with a lot of farmers that go out and they, uh, if they can get a good frame, uh, there are so many things that you can do with row units that are uh, more, uh, will give you everything you, you want, uh, but significantly less cost than the, uh, the factory. Uh, factory new with, with all the bills and, bells and whistles on it. Uh, so it's, I know exactly what uh, he's talking about, that uh, get a good frame and start looking at what you want to do on your row units and you can do a lot just in your shop and uh the from the delivery system um as far as the metering system delivery system to the soil a lot of things you can do and if you're putting on new row units you're you're tightening up your uh, pal- parallel arms things like that you can get a lot of things right uh when you uh, go out there and, and it can be just like new with everything you wanted yeah, spending a little more time on the planter this year, I think, will be a really good move for a lot of guys. I know I get out in a number of fields. I get to see a lot of different producers, how they're doing things. And there are just so many things on the planter that could potentially go wrong. And I don't want to scare anybody because a lot of farmers that I talk to say, hey, their second favorite job on the farms running the planter. And, of course, most of them, their first favorite job is harvest. And I, I like that, too, because yeah. we get paid. Uh, but I, yeah. I do like... I do like that planter operation, and that's what really sets the table for the great harvest, getting things done. And, you know, one of the things, again, this last year, Tony, and, and it was dry in a lot of this region of the country, but there are other areas that it was the opposite. The variable conditions in the field and being set up and prepared with what they have to make adjustments on, uh, that that was a critical move again in 23, and I'm sure it will be in 24. Quick story on that topic. Um, talk with a dealer of uh, my closing wheels out in Ohio, and he had asked about the tests that were done in Indiana. Uh, in Indiana, those tests were done planted in very dry conditions. And the uh, then he said, you know, we recommend your wheel because we think they're the best in wet conditions. And uh, I said, that's the awesome thing about this is they squeeze the air out in those wet conditions and uh, get the seed to soil contact. And in dry conditions, they make that compression in that seed zone and uh, get that enhanced uh, capillary and wicking of moisture into the seed zone and get that plant started. It's like uh, the win-win. Either and in, in between, it works awesome too. And I said, I was telling them, I said, how often do you get a product that you can come out there and say, this is the best thing you're going to do in either one of those conditions? And uh, he was kind of, he said, we just don't get dry around here. He said, maybe one out of 10 years. So they were they were pushing because of wet, and it's and I'm really looking at being here in uh, Northwest Iowa, past few years, uh, the dry they just make them absolutely shine. Let alone uh, the ideal, and the ideal everything works good, but yeah. uh, if you yeah. get in the dry conditions, the wet conditions, that's where you're challenged. 
Yeah, you're right. If it's ideal conditions, yeah, there's a lot of things that can work, but we just don't get many days or many acres that we have that are absolutely ideal. And, you know, planting dates just keep getting pushed up earlier and earlier. And honestly, I don't have any problem with that, Tony. If field conditions are fine, I want to go ahead and plant, even if it seems like it's just a little bit on the early side. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. And, uh, I know one of the things you've got a, a program coming up you're talking about uh, uh, with corn, and one of the, the topics is uh, uh, higher populations and uh, some of the things you do there. Uh, that is something that uh, a lot of people talk about, too, is, is uh, we get into uh, the variables, and you get variable conditions of soil, do the variable planting, and, and you're, I'm going back circling around to your uh, fixed up your planter with all the things you can do. A uh, lot of things to impact what goes on and get you to where you're riding in that combine. You say, man, this is awesome. Hey, we got two minutes before the last or for the next break here. And I just want to ask you real quick. So we've got warmer conditions lasting longer. And certainly all the grain elevators and grain buyers that have outdoor piles are a little nervous that it's staying warmer than they expected. And even catching a little, a few showers coming through across the upper Midwest uh, here over this week. But uh, what do you see about stuff in the bin? Is it something where nighttime temperatures are cool enough that the guys can get that grain cooled down or, or should they be doing anything different? They can certainly cool them down. If if their grain is warm, uh, definitely you can get that stuff cooled down. We're uh, through a lot of the Midwest. You're seeing temps down in the uh, in the 30s and below. You know where we're at. You know we're down in the 20s at night. The uh, so you can run your fans at night if you're uh, you think you need that little bit colder temp. The um, I see like uh, my soybeans are still on automatic control. They're just I got one layer in there that's. Uh, about 14, and I want to bring it down to 13. The uh, it's not running much uh, because I've set the humidity so tight. But that thing is uh, put on five hours in the past week. You know, we get these warmer days; it runs. I've talked with people on storing, uh, asking questions like you're you're saying here, whether it's cooling or is it? Can I still dry corn uh, over in Michigan, or uh, can I uh, do something to uh, moisture manage soybeans? If the temperature's above freezing, yes. Uh, at 33, I say the system shuts off if you're trying to moisture manage unless you're chilling it down for storage. And uh, whether it's manual or automatic, uh, you can do it, and you need to be paying attention to it because, like you say, if you put that stuff in the bin and it was a little warm, it went in there at uh, 50, 60 degrees, uh, you can have some stuff going on. There's uh, big temperature differences between that skin now in the bin in the in the center and you will have convection taking place and the movement of moisture and that's where you get that uh, damage occurring on the uh, the top the center that air rises in the center where the core of that grain is the warmest and it'll bring that moisture right up and uh, you'll have the problems on the top yeah then in the summer absolutely. it reverses yeah, you got to keep an eye on those things, no doubt about it. Uh, we're talking with Tony Wendler here with Farm Shop MFG. If you're looking for advice on closing wheels or planter adjustments or or even grain storage, Tony's a great guy to talk to. Check out his website, farmshopmfg.com. Thanks, Tony. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Friday. Bye. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. 
Preview 2.1 SC herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. My mom's got a new case I extractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Listen to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD for your agronomic questions. Let's head over to Wisconsin right now. We've got Dick on the line with us. How's it going, Dick? Pretty good. Yourself? Well, not too bad. We're we're heading towards a brown Christmas here. How about where you're at in Wisconsin? Oh, yes. We're brown also. Right now it's 50 degrees here. That is amazing. That is amazing. So when teams come up to Green Bay to play those vaunted Packers, they don't really have to worry about winter conditions this year, it seems like. No, they will not have to. They'll, they'll be celebrating in their shorts. <laughs> so much for the frozen tundra. Okay, so what's happening up around you? Are guys still doing stuff out in the field? Are you in the shop working on equipment? Uh-huh. What's happening? We're, we just finished up corn a week ago today, 
Um, there's some tillage and a lot of manure still being injected. We don't have no frost. Yep. So, yep. And there's there's corn out there, but every elevator's chucked to the brims with corn. Yeah, I've had a lot of guys call about that, that say, we, we got corn in the field for one reason only. Nobody can take it right now. We could get out there and, and harvest, but nobody's taking it. What's going on? How come it isn't moving? I don't know. Everything is full. You almost have to make reservations to get in to, to get dryer room. Wow. Wow, that's They're something. They're moving it out to the digest. I mean, not to the digesters, to the... Um, ethanol plants but they're not moving it fast enough gotcha well how wet is the corn in the field uh the stuff we finished up last friday was 18 percent. okay well that's not too bad there's not too much further to go no and it but the corn was um it, it was so brittle it you just touch it and it would just fall down huh because all the nutrients were sucked out of the plant to finish the corn you know the cob corn out sure sure so it just erased heck on it now you mentioned guys are still injecting manure out there that's amazing in mid-december in wisconsin but it's also awesome to get that work done uh i, I bet the dairies and and big livestock guys have to be super happy about that oh god yes they had pumped it you know in october part of november but now with it being open they call the pumpers back and try to drop the um, manure pits down, and there's no runoff. It's doing a good job, really good job. Yeah, for uh, for anybody who's not familiar with manure, the, the big livestock operations will try to pump out as much as they can in the fall, but then in the spring, they all get nervous. They don't think they'll make it till fall again. They think their pits will get too full, so they, they want to pump some more in the spring. If they can get completely dry this late in the year, they might be able to make it all the way through till next fall, and that would be awesome for the guys taking the manure because typically in the fall, it's a lot drier. you got a lot more time before the next crop gets planted to, to cure things up. It, it just works pretty good. That's right. And earlier, like like now, you know, we get little frosty nights and the ground gets slippery, you know, trying to pull them injectors. And um, But now the last couple of days, it's been drying up. It's, you know, the frost has gone out, and now we can move along a lot better. That's good. That's good. So do you guys got to travel somewhere for Christmas, Dick, or are you staying close to home? No, staying close to home. Run the farm. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the nice things about being on the farm is you got a pretty good excuse for, hey, why don't you guys come to me? I got a lot of stuff going on here. <laughs> There's too much going on. Wow, well, yeah, especially no, I, I'm I'm staying home. Yep, well, especially when it's 50 degrees in Wisconsin in the middle of December. This is crazy. <laughs> what what a year! What a year! Well, Dick, thank you so much. Really what appreciate a, having a you. Year. Yep, thanks, Darren. You bet. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. All right, let's head down to Kentucky. We got Jed on with us right now. Well, Jed, if it's 50 degrees up in Wisconsin, I bet it's even nicer down in Kentucky. It's almost short sleeve weather down here pretty nice that's awesome that's awesome so you guys are outside working then what are you what are you getting done this week oh uh, well of course you start hauling some drain and then uh, doing a little dozer and track work on some some farms and then uh and of course working in the shop on equipment getting ready for next year 
Yeah, you mentioned doing a little bit of dirt work out there too. Are you working on drainage? Are you working on uh, fixing up some stuff? What What are you doing? Uh, of course, it's always drainage. And back in the summer, we had a 11 inch rain event in one day here, so we've got uh, plenty of areas that need work as far as drainage goes. And then uh, didn't removing trees out of the field and uh, and other stuff, just common day stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, we were doing some tree removal this past week here, too, on our farm. And, uh, you know, you see some of those trees, they didn't get big because we do this job every year. You just don't get this kind of time in the fall some years. So sometimes those trees get a little big on you before you get a chance to get them. Uh, uh, that's exactly right. With the, main, uh, the amount of fence rows that we have in this area, it, uh, it's amazing how much ground you can lose in a year if you don't keep them back. So. You know, I, I looked at some of the, the corn yields coming out this year and where some of those growers are from. Uh, I mean, even though it was a tough year for a lot of guys, there, there still was a lot of success out there. How, how did you guys turn out in your part of Kentucky? Oh, we had a, uh, I would say, an average to above average crop. We were we were blessed with quite a lot of rainfall and, and, and um, at, at times excessive rainfall. But uh, we were able to dry out between the rains and then down the sunshine as well and um, had a good corn crop and then our later beans what we call our double crop beans we were very dry in september and uh, they actually turned out a lot better than we had hoped for so it's always a good surprise yeah yeah that's awesome so heading into this next year same plan as normal for crop rotation and everything are you guys picking up some new ground going to do anything different uh most of the same we have incorporated canola in our operation this year it's the first time we've grown canola so that's a little different crop for us. So exciting to try something new. And um, other than that, that would be a, mainly a, the canola is taking some of the wheat acres away, but uh, still wheat and corn and soybeans. So where's the canola go? Is there a buyer that's in your area so you get an opportunity here? Yes, it's actually be shipped down the uh, Mississippi to a refinery um, down, I think, believe in Louisiana. But, yes, it's uh, gaining some traction here. I believe there's about 5,000 acres in this area right now, and uh, the company's looking to grow. So we'll see how it goes. It's always uh, intriguing to try a new crop. Uh, of course, we'll have the final answer in uh, June. If you want to talk again, I'll tell you. <laughs> say we're going to the DN. But uh, it's always, you know, interesting to, uh, to to watch a new crop grow and something that we haven't had experience with. So maybe we can learn our lessons and then get better at producing it. Uh, for all our non-farm listeners, if you didn't catch how quickly Jed just skirted right around that issue of, hey, I'm excited about a new crop, we'll see if it makes us any money. <laughs> and that's really yeah. what it comes down to. If you don't get paid, it's not very much fundraising that new crop, but you well, got to try it and see. Well, you have excitement, but you also have the business plan too. So uh, the, the the business plan can overwhelm the excitement in the end. So uh, yeah, But it is exciting, and uh, what we uh, – it's, it's nice to have an, another crop where we can be more diverse on our farm as well. Yeah, spread the risk out with the crops. And then also just the timing with some of the jobs, too. You, you're you doing things at a little different time, and we're, we're busy all the time on the farm. But, uh, man, if you can kind of spread it out just a little bit, that works good, too. Yes, yeah, so you're exactly right. It's, uh, it's amazing how busy we all get, uh, even in this time of year. So how about you and your family, Jed? Do you guys travel for Christmas, or is everybody close to home? Oh, we traveled. I don't think the FedEx people could find us. We got to stay at home, so I know where to deliver everything to. <laughs> so, uh, but no, we'll be around the house and enjoy the holidays. Looks like it's going to be a warmer one, so uh, it'll be nice outside. Yeah, nice, I've got. Nice I've got time. 
I've got one kid, Jed, that's really disappointed we haven't got a white Christmas yet. I mean, there's still time. There's still here uh, a week and a half. We might get snow by then. And I, I said, if you're going to complain about not having snow, you're going to have to be the one that scoops it when it comes. And as long as we've got that agreement worked out, I'm, I'm okay, however it turns out here. Uh, I think my uh, kids got their bubble busted last week when the uh, local news station said we were going to have above, above average temperatures for Christmas. So, uh so we'll be looking for uh, maybe a little football in the yard. Yeah. Uh, on Christmas yeah. right here. Absolutely. That'd be fun. Well, Jed, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Have a Merry Christmas. Same to you. Thank you. Canola in Kentucky and growing more acres of that. It's very interesting. I, I love the idea of having another crop in the rotation. For us, that was alfalfa. We used to always have alfalfa, but now the last couple of years, we've, we've had more acres of alfalfa than we've had in 30 years. And it's been really fun. All right, stay tuned. We'll talk to you coming up right after this. The hardworking, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example. Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, Together, we can uproot the stigma. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids rain at ridgeback.corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plans, do you think you could cut your farm's fertility expenses, maybe even increase your yields? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're holding our Ag PhD Soils Clinic on Tuesday, January 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the single most important day you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at FarmShopMFG.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valen.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and we would love to hear from you. It's 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to talk about what's happening on your farm or ask any agronomic questions or, or just discuss whatever agronomic topic you're arguing with your brother about. Not saying that any brothers ever argue about agronomic topics, but uh, yeah, if you've listened to the show more than a day, you know what I'm talking about here. Uh, let's head down to Missouri. Uh, we'll start with Kyle. Kyle, how's it going? Hey, good, Darren, Brian, how are you? Uh, everything's good. If you can hear in the background, we are actually in the middle of a prescribed fire Wow! some of our wooded acres, trying to promote oak regeneration. So if you can hear that popping, sorry yeah. about the noise. Uh, no, that's hey, great. That's what we're doing right now. That's awesome. Okay, so talk to me about that just a little bit. How does that come about? Is that something you guys have done for a long time, that you just take a little bit of area each year, or is this something that's been a long time coming? Well, no, we... we pick out units uh different tracks of timber and we try to you know burn every couple of years we also incorporate uh timber stand improvement in those acres as well which is where we come in and cut out the unwanted trees to help promote uh you know more sunlight to the to the forest floor that is that's really cool now we hear a lot about the forest fires and all this up in canada and they, they've been talking about man they need to clean some of those things up but some of those areas are pretty remote uh this one how like how far is this timber ground from where you live uh we live actually i have a, a i have a chunk of, sorry about that was a little bit radio uh we have a chunk of ground actually close to uh right below my house uh that we burn and we're actually getting ready to burn today but uh, you know we're 20 minutes away from from the farm and for where from where i live this is right here where i'm burning sure sure so how long will you be burning this all happen in one day or is this something that happens over a week-long period yeah so it depends on the weather uh humidity is is a key obviously in rain you can't have anything below 28 30 percent uh, it gets a little wild this time of year, and the wind also is a factor, and also the fuel load. If you have a lot of fuel, uh, right now I'm watching an edge feathering here along one of our fields that uh, that's pretty thick, and we don't want it to get in the pasture field, so I'm kind of keeping an eye on it. Uh, it actually just got out a while ago before you, before I got on, but uh, we use backpack blowers to blow it out. seems to be the best, but I also have a 2,000-gallon uh, uh, water wagon I pull around. Sure, sure. Now, when you mentioned the fuel load, do you have to go into those timber areas and do a little bit of clean out at, at some point, or or does the fire just take care of everything? No, it, you just uh, you just use the fire as a good help helpful tool to uh, minimize some of the extra fuel that we'll gather over years, and uh, and that's what we're trying to do is not only that, but uh, promote oak regeneration. Sure. Sure. How many acres can you cover in a day if you have just kind of an average day when you're doing this controlled or prescribed burn? You know, it uh, it depends. I think yesterday we did about 85 acres or 90, somewhere around there. Wow. Uh, today we're at, uh, I think we're about 60 so far. It's actually not burning as well today as it did yesterday. Uh, there's less wind today where we're at, and it's just going slower, so we kind of have to Take it a little slower on a day like today, 
Uh, so we're, we're, we probably won't burn as many acres today. Now, when you mention um, uh, the wind and the smoke and those types of things, um, obviously you're you're concerned about everybody around you and not not getting any trouble with the smoke blowing through town or whatever. Uh, do you have to work with all the local fire departments so so that they, they aren't getting a hundred calls from people saying, "Hey, there's smoke over there." <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, we do. We I call the sheriff's office before I even light a match or. or uh, you know, light the drip torch, but, uh, and I'll call the local neighbors right around the places we're going to do it and, and just give them a heads up, uh, just, to just to be courteous, to, to let them know, because it, it does, uh, get a lot of people uh, wondering what's going on when they see smoke in the air. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Hey, uh, appreciate the call here, Kyle. I, I'll let you get back to work and, and focus in on what you're doing, but I hey. uh, really appreciate it. I would like to let you know if you want to see some more of this, come to my YouTube channel, Living the Dream Ag. Okay. You can see what we're doing right now. Living the Dream Ag. Okay. Very yes, good. Sir. Awesome, Kyle. I'll check that out. You have a good one. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. Let's head over to Iowa. We got Doug on with us right now. How's it going, Doug? Hey, it's going pretty good. I don't know if it's going to be as exciting as that last call where you got a fire blazing and crackling in the background. That That's pretty cool. I've, I don't have any timber acres. I wasn't very familiar with that. Yeah, I, I don't think I can outdo that. <laughs> what, what are you guys working on today? Well, uh, you know, we got uh, uh, did some soil testing and uh, hauled some manure, uh, you know, just Got an anhydrous applicator to work on. There's just all kinds. Of, the weather's too nice. We got too many jobs. Yeah, yeah. This is something, and and uh, I just think about this. We we've got a brown Christmas in the forecast, and there there's a lot of things uh -huh. happening. I mean, fortunately, we were able to get all the crop out in a in decent order here. How about down in your area? Everybody get everything out, and and now it's just all these extra jobs. Yeah, there's a little tiny bit of corn here and there, but just very very little. Uh, yeah, but most, yeah, it came out pretty good shape, yeah. I think everybody's pretty happy, uh, surprisingly, uh, as low as the moisture was. I guess we had rains at the right time, so. Yeah. Yeah, it helped out a lot, so. My yeah. brother my yeah. brother likes to tell the story of his surprise one year when we were finishing up harvest and the last couple acres running through the combine, and, and Brian made the comment to my dad. He goes, oh, man, this is awesome. We're all done. And dad just looked at him like, what? We're just getting started. We got all kinds of stuff, and we're going to go hard <laughs> until it snows and freezes, and he just was not That's ready right. for that. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, our yields are real good, and I overfilled some bands, and so – yeah, you know, that don't work very good to air them, right, uh, it seems right. like. Uh, so we've been pulling corn out of some of them bins, uh, get them down to where it's manageable and, uh, you know, just kind of looking ahead that way. So, yeah, got some lime put on that, uh, you know, soil test. Uh, oh, we had some that, oh, hasn't been lime for many years, but have been tested and it's been okay. And I thought, yeah, I bet we're getting close and, Sure enough, we, so we had to do some liming, and uh, that's got that out of the way, and uh, got some hot manure on, got that just finished up a couple of days ago, and uh, yeah, so yeah, there's it's a busy time, right? Yeah, uh, you yeah. can't believe 
Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, yeah. you mentioned the lime, so I was going to ask you about that. So what yes. we tried to do, we tried to get the lime out ahead, then do the manure, and then we had to till the manure in. Is that kind of the strategy? That way you kind of till everything in? Well, I don't know if I did it right. I, I'm kind of on a no-till system. Oh, okay. Well, that works too with lime. And no problem. Yeah, so we got the lime on. It was just kind of like who's getting there when. Yes. And yes. so the lineman guy was ready to roll, so he rolled. He got the lime out. And so then the manure guy comes along later. He's got the manure out, and uh, which is low disturbance, uh, you know, slot in the ground type system. And uh, so hopefully we're okay that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's yeah. absolutely right. There, there's no doubt about it. So uh, just if you didn't catch that, uh, I was talking about lime on our farm. We actually conventionally tilled the lime in, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You absolutely can do that in, in no-till. It just takes a little bit of rain, which normally in Iowa, you get a little bit of rain during the year. We'll see. What kind of year did you have this year? You said you had good yield, so you must have got some rain. Uh, you know, we were June. We were hurting. We got a rain just in time. Then July, I think we got forgot. And then August, we got a rain just at the nick of time and uh, got us through. Uh, we had an inch uh, towards the end of harvest. I, I just can't believe that we raised what we raised with the little amount of rain we got. And uh, uh, I think you guys were pretty dry too, weren't you? We were. We were. But you know what, yeah. Doug? The, the no-till... The practices you're doing, soil testing, fertilizing, utilizing manure, all those things, uh, I mean, all that stuff helps. And we're, there's no doubt yeah. we've got better hybrids. we got got a lot of things going for us that we can hang on when we get those tough conditions, too. Hey, Doug, we got to yeah, run, you, but good talking yeah. to you, and yeah. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, Merry Christmas to you, and I appreciate your show. You bet. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's going to be a brown Christmas, but we're still going to have fun. And that's exactly what we're doing on Farmer Friday, too, just having a little fun. If you want to talk about what's happening on your farm, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You have a lot at stake when it comes to raising corn. I'm Darren Hefty. That's why on Wednesday, January 17th, we're holding a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll help you navigate all the challenges of corn production, including how to manage exploding pest populations, resistant diseases, fertility challenges, and more. It's a day packed with information. So if you want to get the most out of your corn this season, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Can you predict the future? I can't. 
That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. How can Naturals products help you raise bigger and better crops? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Biologicals, or naturals as we call them, are impacting every facet of agriculture today, and that will only grow in the future. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals workshop, Wednesday, February 7th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of naturals products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. But I want to dive into some of these emails that came in. Radio at agphd.com if you still want to get an email in. Got my brother Brian on right now. We can uh, discuss and debate some of these questions. You ready to go, Brent? Fire away. All right, first one comes in from Dan, and I think this one is a is a great one. He said, do you believe soil should be limed to a specific pH or limed to balance the base saturation of cations? How would you set up your liming rate? Well, in a lot of cases, it's, it's one and the same. But there are ranges both with pH and with the base saturation test. So in other words, you don't have to be exact. We don't have to hit, oh, we got to be at exactly 6.4 or whatever. No, just just get close. But here's the other thing that we find with pH. It's very, well, I'll put it this way. If your pH is off, chances are something is out of balance in your soil. Might be something you see in the base saturation, but it could be something else as well. So I just encourage people, take a look at both sides of it and go from there. But how do we do it on our farm? I'm looking more at the pH than I am the other side and balancing the, the percent of calcium in a lot of cases. But we eventually are going to look at both. But no, I'm looking at the pH first and I go from there. Yeah, I like to look and see how how much I'm going to build that calcium percentage up to, and and you know sure. you can kind of do a little bit of that too, and just see. All right, let's take a look at this rate. Let's see if we're shooting for a certain pH. I like to stay on the low side. I like six two. That's kind of my target if I'm going up to something, and then I I just don't want to overdo calcium. Uh, so I'm looking at the parts per million as well, just to see where I'm going to end up. Hey, thanks for the question, Dan. We appreciate that. Uh, got this one that came in from Ann Mar. He said, all right, guys, we've got uh, some drip tape irrigation. 
and it varies from six to 10 inches deep is all. Can you still do tillage? Because I'm concerned, you guys talk about doing some deep tillage occasionally. Can you do some level of tillage without damaging the drip tape, or do you just go no-till once you put drip tape in? You can, you can certainly do some level of tillage, but if you're as shallow as six inches, I mean, let's be real, that probably means you've got some at three or four inches. So you're going to have to be real careful. It's going to have to be real light tillage. So you can't do much. Yeah, that's going to be pretty challenging. And if you've got a map where that drip tape's at, uh, you could try to go in between those lines, that kind of thing. But again, it's you're going to probably have some mistakes here and there. So yeah, if you put drip tape real shallow, it's going to be tough to do anything more than just a couple inches deep. All right, uh, get this one in about beet lime. What do you guys think about spreading beet lime for other benefits on soils rather than just increasing soil pH? We've got an 8 pH, but there are a lot of guys using beet lime. What do you think about that? Well, the question is, why do we need the beet lime? And in a lot of cases, what we're finding in some of those soils, they're real high magnesium. So it kind of goes back to the question we had just a little bit ago about balancing the cations and having the proper amount of calcium compared to magnesium. The problem is when your pH is already that high, the odds are pretty good. I'm not going to say um, 100%, but the odds are pretty good. You're going to need some sulfur somehow, some way to get that pH down and get more things in balance, or let me rephrase that maybe, flush out more of the excesses that are in that, that high pH soil. But let's really look at what's out of balance in a lot of cases the farmers we deal with so like right now i'm just just outside of fargo north dakota red river valley this is very common i just looked at a whole bunch of beet lime getting spread two days ago and it's fine just use it in moderation so i was talking to one guy who put on 10 tons of beet lime per acre i'm going whoa 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 <laughs> let's how about let's do this let's put a ton on and get the benefits that you're talking about. I mean, people talk about a phantomyces and things like that. Well, it really comes down to, are we, do we have available calcium out there? And sometimes, I know it seems weird when you go, well, I got 3,000, 6,000 parts per million of calcium already. I get that. And I know it seems weird for me to say some of your calcium is not available, but when you've got super high magnesium levels, it's a problem. So we got to get that thing in balance so more of the calcium can be available and Throwing a little bit of beet lime out there is great. Plus, here's the other thing. The beet lime has other nutrients. It's got a lot of phosphorus, typically, and other nutrients that your crop needs. So I love beet lime. It's great. But if we're going to say, well, that's all I'm going to do, then I'm not okay with that long term. You're probably going to need sulfur. And in a lot of these soils around here, they need crazy amounts of potassium. So get the potassium out there. Get the calcium out there. Get the sulfur out there. Let's get some things in balance over time. And here's the thing. We as farmers like free. So as soon as anybody hears, well, I can get the beet lime for free, so let's load up. <laughs> okay. I like doing free things too. But if it's not right for the soil to go nuts and put 10 tons on, when you actually should probably put a ton on per year or something like that, well, I know it was free, but free can cost you a whole bunch in the long run. So let's just take a look at it. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, maybe there are some cases where we actually do need a lot of beet lime. When you start talking 10 tons in one shot, though, that's where we end up with more tie-up of other nutrients. So we want to do things 
in moderation as much as we can in that soil and talk about each specific soil test and each specific case because I don't know as a blanket statement, is it good, is it bad? Let's look at the soil test and see. So if you're listening today and you're like, well, I can get bee lime, but I'm not sure if it's right for me, send us a soil test. We'd be more than happy to take a look at it for you and give you our thoughts. All right, I had a couple more calcium questions. This first one uh, comes in from Jacob. What do you think about gypsum? Is that something that you would utilize in just about any situation, or are there only certain places where that would work? Only certain places that's going to work. Is it the same thing? If I've got my nutrients balanced just right today, and now I put gypsum out there, well, what's that gypsum going to do to my soil? If I only put 200 pounds out, no big deal. I yeah. don't care. You're yeah, fine. exactly. If you start putting two tons out, then I might change my calcium percentage and raise that higher than it needs to be. So let's be careful with how we're using it. But is calcium an important nutrient? You bet. Is sulfur an important nutrient? Absolutely. So I like the general principle, but let's keep the rates in moderation unless we need lots of adjustment out in that soil. All right. Uh, and then another lime question. This one comes in uh, from Al. What about during the winter months? When do you stop spreading lime? Can you spread lime on frozen ground? Do you have to be out there before you catch a snow or something like that? What What are your guidelines for winter lime application? Our general rule is spreading anything on frozen ground is risky. So, but let's put it this way. If I have some lime that washes to the bottom of my hill, is that going to cause an environmental disaster? No. It's not that big a deal. Lime is calcium carbonate. That's basically tums. So if you have an acid stomach, you take tums or whatever, some antacid. That's the whole point of lime. It's nothing that's harmful. It's nothing that's bad. But the flip side of that is, okay, let's say it does wash to the bottom of the hill. Well, now I didn't solve my problem on top of the hill. And at the bottom of the hill, I've got an issue because now I overlined there. So I... I, I don't like to see anything applied to soil that's frozen unless, let's say, like we give this example all the time in the spring, we like spraying in the morning when the ground's frozen, but then it thaws in the afternoon. So as long as it's thawing today and you're going to attach to soil today, I'm not too worried about that part. But yeah, I don't want to put it out there in December when my ground isn't going to thaw out until March. Okay, last question. This comes from Tim. He said, I'm just starting to price around for herbicides from some different dealers, and I've heard about some low interest rate financing from some of the chemical companies. Are these good deals, or are there some hidden costs that I'm going to be paying for? Nope, no hidden costs. I was just complaining about this to another agronomist. I said, well, for my farm, what if I don't need financing? The company won't give me a better deal. All I can do is take advantage of these finance programs. So you know what? I'm just going to take advantage of it, even though I probably don't really need the financing. But I'll take that cheap financing, and then I've got my other cash to do something else with. But no, they are good deals. We tell people all the time, take advantage of those finance offers. They're cheap, and you can do them right now and get some of your best deals you're going to find for the yeah, it is kind of neat. As, as you get out pricing, you see some of these different offers that are out there this year. Lots of rebate programs, too. Uh, they didn't pull those away, even though the chem prices are down this year, which is good. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.